0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm your host, Abby Williams. I hope everybody had a fabulous Mother's Day. Um, This year, more than any other year in my 10 years of motherhood, I think I just seriously want to raise a glass to each and every one of you. um, A million times, cheers. I cannot believe we are mothering through this right now. (laughs) You know, I think as mothers, we just, we... Juggle so much, and we wear so many different hats, and to just see what you women are doing during this time and how we are managing it with such grace and such strength and perseverance. You all are just seriously so amazing. Um, and I know, you know, myself included, we don't feel like it all the time. go to bed a lot and you question yourself or you have the mom guilt or you're doubting, you know, oh my gosh, did I show up in the way that I should have today? Um, I promise you are doing a much better job than you feel like you are. Um, So I hope that you were appreciated and celebrated this this Mother's Day. I know it was probably not the grand celebration that you deserved um, (laughs) or maybe that you're used to, but... Cheers to all you mamas! You guys are doing a great job. Um. Anyway, so May is Mental Health Awareness Month. I know a lot of you know that mental health is near and dear to my heart. I am a therapist myself, um, and I have been very transparent in other episodes that I go to therapy. I think everybody should be in therapy. Now you add COVID-19 and a quarantine and some social distancing. I think we have all encountered some kind of emotion during this time of anxiety, overwhelm, maybe anger, grief, um, you know, sadness. There are so many therapists right now that are doing the teletherapy. Um, if you need help getting connected to a, th- to a therapist in your area during this time, please reach out. Um, I'll help you and I am so excited because today I'm welcoming my friend, Dr. Pooja Lakshman, who is a board certified um, psychiatrist, and she specializes in women's mental health and maternal mental health. You can find her on Instagram at Women's Mental Health Doc, where she shares evidence based information about mental health um, in pregnancy and postpartum. Seriously, her content is so amazing please make sure that you're following her. Um, I share her work all the time. I share her in, on my Support Mom Saturdays. Um, she is doing amazing work. I'm also going to be linking several links to the description of this podcast. One of them is her guide to taking care of your mental health and pregnancy and postpartum during COVID-19. Another is a small virtual course on pregnancy and mental health. She still has a few spots open and she has a Facebook group um, for the COVID-19 mental well-being. So make sure that you go join that because I'm sure we could all use as much support as we can right now. Um, I'm also going to be linking her latest article, which is a fabulous read. So if you have a couple minutes, go read that. And let's get started. Cheers. So welcome, Pooja. I am so excited that you are here um, joining us for Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, Pooja, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, and what led you to this field.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and thanks for the great introduction. Yeah. Um, I'm um, Dr. Pooja Lakshman. I'm a perinatal psychiatrist. I live and work in Washington, D.C., and this is perfect timing because it's also a um, maternal mental health awareness. So and I take care of women that are pregnant and postpartum and dealing with mental health issues like depression and anxiety. And so for me, you know, when I went to undergrad, I went to undergrad at Penn in Philadelphia, and I was a women's studies major. Yeah. And I was totally, you know, all about feminism and kind of like learning about you know the ways in which women can really advocate for themselves, mm-hmm. um, and then I also studied at Penn. It was called biological basis of behavior, so sort of like neuroscience, essentially. Mm-hmm. And um, I decided to go to medical school um, because I wanted to work in women's health and. Initially, I thought I was going to do OBGYN, but I got to my first rotation and I was just like, I do not want to be in the OR. (laughs) It it just felt so traumatic to me, too. I don't know. The whole process was just, Yeah. um, yeah, it just didn't fit my personality. And so I actually did my psychiatry rotation Last at the very end of my third year, and within the first week, I was just like, "These are my people." Yeah. I love you know sitting down with patients and just talking about what's really going on and kind of getting real and just finding out about their lives and what they're really thinking and feeling. Um, and then I was able to craft it to work in women's mental health. Um, right. And and I've talked a bit, so I'm, I'm on Instagram. My Instagram account account is at women's mental health doc. And, and I have talked a bit about my own struggles with depression and anxiety in the past. And um, I think being someone who's experienced that certainly made me more interested in psychology and mm-hmm. in understanding kind of what was going on for me, definitely. I didn't actually start going to therapy, though, until I was a medical student. Uh, And I had already chosen psychiatry. Actually, I think it was around the time that I chose psychiatry now that I think about it, that I started doing therapy. Um, and, And I went through a bit of a rough time in my residency training. I went through a divorce and I took some time off from medicine. So there was a lot of soul searching that I had to do that therapy helped me certainly as a treatment for depression and anxiety, but then also just has helped me figure myself out and
0: figure out what I want and, and I think like we're constantly doing that right yeah, like this yeah. constant evolve and mm-hmm. who am I kind of right and like each stage <laughs> of life too. Yeah.
1: it's like kind of like a whole new thing you need to figure out with each right. life phase and, and I'm still in therapy and I love it and especially right now with COVID I'm so grateful to have that space for myself um, yeah as I take care of patients too so
0: So are you partnered with like an OBGYN office or are you um, an independent practice? So
1: I have, um, so a little bit of both. I have a private practice that's standalone, Mm -hmm. um, but I collaborate with many of the OBs in the community. I get referrals from them. And then also I actually do psychotherapy with my patients and I prescribe medications, but then um, there are some patients who have separate uh, therapists. So I'll collaborate with their therapists. And then I'm also a clinical assistant professor at GW, at the medical school, and there we have a clinic that is um, a low-fee clinic called Five yes. Primesters, where I supervise residents and we get patients from the OB department. Right. So that's kind of a training clinic to um, teach more psychiatrists how to prescribe women medication in pregnancy yeah. and postpartum, because in a lot of um, med schools, that's not something that psychiatrists learn, so which is really unfortunate.
0: They don't learn how to prescribe, or just for women. So they don't like learn. Yeah,
1: they don't learn about psychiatric medications in pregnancy yeah. and postpartum. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely changing, and there's a task force, and there's a lot of work in the field to bolster that, and and to get that as a required curriculum. But um, as I'm sure you probably know, a lot yeah. of women, especially in places where there's not um, psychiatrists, might be told you know, that it's not safe for you to take medication, take an antidepressant during pregnancy, which is, is not true at all. Right, so right. we're working really hard to kind of um, fix I that. I know.
0: I feel like there's a lot of, like, conflicting information about mm-hmm. all kinds of different medications and pregnancy mm-hmm. and postpartum, you know, and breastfeeding. Right. So what can I take now? Um, but no, I totally agree with you. So now you're, pr- you pretty much have, Niche down to mm-hmm. working with women postpartum during pregnancy. Um, kind of walk us through, you know, I get pregnant, I'm having some signs or some symptoms of a developing mental health issue. What are some signs and symptoms that people need to kind of look out for, I guess?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first piece to keep in mind is that one in five women are going to mm-hmm. go through some type of mood or anxiety issue yeah. during pregnancy or the first year Which after is delivery. Huge, it's, like, huge. it's huge. It's yeah. huge. Um, so that's just something to note that this is really common. Um, right. And um, about out of those women, about a third are going to start to have symptoms in pregnancy itself. So yeah. it's not just postpartum, right? Like you're saying during right. pregnancy, this can come up and... Some of the most common things that we see are um, increased anxiety, like a lot of worry about um, fear around loss of the pregnancy or, you know, fear around medical complications and things like Mm -hmm. that that are kind of out of proportion to what's actually going on medically. And obviously, if you're somebody who has had multiple miscarriages or has had medical complications before, that's going to be heightened. Right. Um, Trouble sleep. All, trouble sleeping is also something that can be a sign. Um, and, and we see that pretty commonly It can, is linked with postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is, is sort of this sense of, it's not just sadness. It's more like right. a hopelessness, right. like a feeling that nothing's really going to work out, having a hard time attaching to the pregnancy or kind of even imagining what it's going to be like to be yeah. a mom. Um, avoidance and kind of planning and things like that, that can be another sign as well. Um, Some of the other signs that we see with regular depression, things like fatigue or problems with concentration, those definitely come up for depression in pregnancy, but they also could just be related to being pregnant. I know, I know, it's (laughs) like really hard. It's hard, so it's not as helpful to look at some of those things. Yeah. Um, And then in the postpartum period, uh, the first thing to note is that What's called the baby blues is right. completely normal. And that mm-hmm. usually comes up within the first couple of days right after you deliver. So maybe day three or four. And it can last <laughs> about day three. Right, right, <laughs> right. And it's basically just due to this huge crash in estrogen that happens right after you deliver. And yeah. it's sort of like essentially an emotional roller coaster. So, you know, crying spells, irritability, anger. Just a lot of ups and downs, and it very much feels like it comes in waves like it's yeah. just sort of coming and then going, and it just there's no triggers, it's just happening. Um, and <laughs> and that actually gets better on its own, yeah. And it doesn't need treatment. I mean, it's, it's great if you have a friend that you can talk to or, you know, a supportive community, obviously that helps, but it's not something that you would necessarily need to get treatment for because it gets better on its own. And, right. and by, if you're about, you know, four weeks postpartum and you're still feeling like this, then it's not the baby blues anymore. Then we would be concerned for postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. So I, I get a lot of questions from moms that are like, two months out, and they're like, oh, you know, I have the baby blues. And it's like, well, actually, at this point, it's not the baby blues anymore. Then we're more worried that this is actually something clinical. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So do you feel like, you know, most women postpartum don't have their follow-up appointment until week six? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so if some of these symptoms are kind of going on for four weeks, and, you know, you're kind of away from this baby baby blue window, should these women be reaching out to their OBGYNs or reaching out to a practitioner like yourself? Um, you know, what what should those women be yeah, doing? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So number one is absolutely they should be reaching out to their OBGYNs. Yeah. And most OBGYN practices are very up-to-date and skilled with postpartum depression and anxiety. Yeah. So they will be happy that you're reaching out to them because they, they want to know what's going on. Um, and they can either, if it's indicated, they could start medication or they could give you mm-hmm. referrals that they'll have a list of therapists or psychiatrists like myself right. They can give you names and then you can reach out to them. That's probably the easiest way to go. Um, yeah. Pediatricians also screen uh, for postpartum depression. So yeah. you might find when you're taking your baby in for their well checks, um, they're asking they're you, asking some you questions. and then they yeah. might
0: give you some referrals if you screen positive as well. Isn't that horrible? I'm like, I just had a baby in January and I don't even remember <laughs> <laughs> at the pediatrician's <laughs> office. Like, did they ask me these questions? <laughs> they they have some really good questionnaires at mm-hmm. my pediatrician. So I would be surprised if they did it. But I'm like, hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's a blur.
0: <laughs> it's a blur. Well, and he's number four. So I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing day to day. I feel like, um, yeah. So, and then on your page, you also kind of talk a lot about boundaries, mm-hmm. um, saying no, mm-hmm. some self-confidence, um, kind of walk us through what that is like when working with you, um, um, mm-hmm in the clinical setting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that that, you know, uh, mental health isn't just about treating illness, right? Right. It's really about thriving and kind of building the life that you really want to live. So, and that's how I approach psychiatry as well. Um, and I just recently had a piece out in the New York times for their parenting section about, um, moms and how, As moms, it's so easy to sort of fall into like this martyr type syndrome where you're just (laughs) sacrificing everything for your family and you just have no time for yourself and then you'd become resentful and angry because nobody appreciates all the things that you're doing, <laughs> you know, so it's know. like this really awful feedback cycle. And yeah. that that happens even outside of postpartum depression or anxiety, right? Like that's that not just like motherhood. Right, yeah. right. right. That's just how our culture is set up because we right. don't have great childcare options. We don't have, you know, universal uh, parental leave, right? So it just all right. sort of falls on mom and um, that's the place where I talk a lot about um, saying no and setting boundaries. And I think like one of the buzzwords that's gotten a lot of attention over the past couple of years is, is self-care, yeah. <laughs> which I have some issues with as a term just because I feel like and a lot of times I'm seeing it just used sort of performatively um and and then it also ends up just being a task on your to-do list that you feel guilty about
0: (laughs) um so for and I also just think that like self-care is you know this buzzword that it's Mm -hmm. like oh I'm gonna go get my nails done and my massage I'm gonna take a bubble bath and like Mm -hmm. I don't believe that that's all what self-care is right it's also like making sure that you're eating right and hydrating and keeping up on your laundry so that you're not so stressed out that you've got this mountain of laundry. You know what I mean? Right,
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: it's, it's actually, yeah. if you're actually doing
1: self-care, it should be hard. Right. And, and it's also things like, you know, recognizing, like, I can't keep up with all these social invitations, or I can't mm-hmm. go to this meeting. So I have to send out an email and say that I'm not yeah. going to make it, you know, doing having the conversations that you feel uncomfortable having
0: yeah. that's
1: self care as well. Yeah. Um, so I think for moms, because you're just in this caregiver role, uh, it's so easy to let go of that and forget about that. It's also easy to think that it's somebody else's responsibility to do it for you. Mm-hmm. When in fact, really, we're the ones that need to take ownership of our own decisions and draw those lines and sort of say, yeah, I'm not going to be able to, you know, bake brownies for my kids' school because I need to take care of, you know, doing all the right. things that I that are important to me. Um, right. And and I say this all with the caveat that I'm not trying to shame women or say that it's your fault. Like, I think that that women just sort of fall into this trap because this is how our culture is, um, I agree with you set up. Yeah. Um, so those are the types of things I work on with my patients too. kind of yeah. looking at what are your patterns around this. And usually it's something, it's not that it started in motherhood. It usually goes way back.
0: Yeah. Um, I know, because, yeah, I think that we're, like, very much, like, preconditioned Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to, like, live out Mm -hmm. this role. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Mm -hmm. So, So, in, like, the postpartum period um, and, I guess, implementing some of these mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) self-care and saying no, building my confidence so that I can thrive, but... I'm also coming up against, you know, this postpartum anxiety, this postpartum depression, which makes these things abundantly harder, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you kind of break down that wall for these women? Right,
1: totally. So one of the things that I talk about when women come to see me, because typically by this time someone comes to see me, they've been dealing with this for quite a while um, yeah. for them to make it into my office. So we really talk about the costs of not treating it and and how much they've been suffering and everything they've tried that hasn't worked. Um, And and I don't prescribe medication to all of my patients, but if Mm -hmm. you're somebody who has moderate to severe postpartum depression or anxiety, where it's affecting your functioning and you're not able to uh, take care of your family or do what you need to do at work in the way that is typical for you, then medication is something that's helpful. And my patients will often be like, well, but I don't really need medication. I need to sleep or I need a partner <laughs> that will help me. Right. I need a
0: partner that's going to do the lunch is all true. Right? Yeah.
1: Completely 100% true. But the thing is with postpartum depression, essentially, and, and all depression, essentially the part right. of your brain that feels feelings is just on overdrive. It's just going crazy. And the part of your brain, and this is obviously a simplification, but the parts of your brain that are, that do, problem solving and planning and, and strategizing, those parts are, are more offline. So right. what antidepressants do is they turn the volume down a little bit on the right. feeling part so that the thinking part can come back. And then that helps you communicate much better with your partner so that or, or other people in your lives that can help you. And so then if you're interacting differently with the people around you and actually clearly expressing what you need them to do for you, then you're able to get more help, and then right. your situation's able to change. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that the medication can help you make better choices and can mm-hmm. help you communicate more clearly that then helps you enact all these other more life, and, you know lifestyle or behavioral strategies that are gonna ultimately be things that are helpful.
0: And I can like totally attest to this because after I had my second child, I was in my final semester of grad school. Um, I had this brand new baby. I have a six-year-old in school. Um, I was working full-time. I was interning. I had way too much on my plate. Mm -hmm. But I think I was also struggling with a postpartum anxiety disorder that I never had treated. Mm -hmm. Um, I just felt like, oh, you know, I just have too much on my plate, which maybe, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was, like, literally melting down at work all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, with mostly my boss and I'm like you know I just I, and I was all my feelings were just like hanging out mm-hmm. he would just ask me you know like Abby what do you need like, you know what can we do for you I'm like I don't know and I couldn't communicate like my needs I just was feeling very large mm-hmm. right <laughs> all over right. the place just like drowning in the feelings right right and it was it was a very like hopeless feeling it was a very you know I just don't feel like anybody's here for me kind of thing um and I don't know, you know, I guess it just kind of got better on its own. I never did seek treatment and I just, I felt like the kind of the further away I got from that situation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, the volume, I guess, like kind of turned down on its own, but how much better would that time have been had you sought treatment Right, and and then seeking treatment, how much would I have been able to, I guess, enjoy my daughter during that time? Right. And I think that that's, like, a big part, too, is there's still, like, kind of the stigma around mental health. Um, and I think, you know, we're talking about it more. I think that there's more understanding around it. And I think that we're now seeing some of the benefits to treatment way more than, the stigma. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it is like starting to flip. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I run I with two colleagues, I run a Facebook group. That's Yeah, specific. It's a called COVID-19 maternal well being. So we started yeah. it in March because of everything that's going on. And someone recently posted, you know, um, my, my doctor recommended that I start an SSRI. What do people think? You know, I, I don't know what to think. And Literally all of the comments were positive,
0: were, were essentially well, like, like <laughs> help so much. I wish <laughs> I would have done it sooner. Yeah.
1: And yeah. probably that would not have been the case a couple years ago, I don't think.
0: You know, and and I kind of and I love the social media is kind of bringing that voice to this topic because I feel like, you know, 10 years ago when I started my motherhood journey, uh, social media was not what it is today. Um, and then you know, so you're relying on these conversations that you're having in your community. But if you are lacking the natural supports in your real life, and you don't have a place to plug in, you know, it's very isolating. And so I like that you know, there's all these accounts online, like your like yourself, um, who is putting out amazing content to normalize some of these things, to bring awareness, to advocate and, you know, like these really powerful conversations and that people can connect like that. I think that that's really cool. What how is um, COVID kind of impacting these women right now?
1: Yeah, so I'm definitely seeing a a huge uptick in anxiety. um, Yeah, I bet around a couple places one for pregnant women who, Mm -hmm. you know, are really worried about what delivery is going to be like, Um, whether
0: they're going to be, my heart just like hurts for them right now. Yeah. You know, like,
1: and there's so much about it, you know, will they be able to have their partner there? Um, you know, now that they're doing kind of universal testing for pregnant women, you know, worry that what if they're COVID positive and asymptomatic, you know, there's just so much uncertainty around that. Um, and then the fears about, uh, the postpartum period and, and having to just make so many decisions that. That nobody was expecting to have to make you know figuring out can grandparents come like how to weigh these risks and benefits if you're a family that that needs help right um you know like the risks to your own to the people that might come to help versus your family and there's not really clear guidance necessarily from from the medical community because this is all so new new, right um so so i'm seeing just a ton of anxiety around that and then also of course the some social isolation around not being able to be with friends and family in the postpartum period, like not being able to celebrate in the way that you had expected yourself to, whether that's like baby showers or like
0: gender announcements, right. having friends. I can imagine or- that there's probably like a lot of grief, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know What I mean, like grieving the experience that you thought that you were going to have. And I think that that's probably so normal to feel those feelings. It's so normal. And I also want to yeah.
1: add that, Um, it's normal, and it's okay. And and you should let yourself feel those things. Because one of the things I'm seeing is, is moms who are like, well, yeah, I'm sad, but, but you know, I haven't lost anybody. So I haven't really experienced any hardship. So they're kind of pushing down their grief and sort of dismissing it. But it's important to recognize that this is still hard. Everyone's losing pieces of themselves during this. So,
0: right. Yeah. I know, I, I, you know, and a lot of my audience that I've been talking to on my platform, who might not even be in their postpartum period, you know, like, we're all kind of going through that same thing of the anxiety, the worry, the uncertainty of all Mm -hmm. of this. And we're all like grieving things in different ways, the loss of experiences, um, you know, whether it's a high school graduation, or it's, you know, or like a
1: family vacation, or, you know,
0: all these milestones. Yeah. 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 So I don't know, you know, and I agree. I just I think we all just feel our feels. It's also normal. Mm -hmm. COVID just stinks. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I wish it would just stop. Just go away. Um, And in my heart, it does just like really hurt for a lot of these postpartuming moms or moms delivering during this time. Um, You know, I had my son like right before all of this happened. Mm. And He was my fourth, and I wanted it to be. He, I knew he's going to be my last baby. Um, and so, you know, like going into it, I wanted it to be more of like this selfish time Mm. that I was going to soak up my last baby. And so I didn't have people come to the hospital. And I wrote all about it back in January, um, or probably beginning of February, you know, how beautiful this moment was that it was just me, the baby, my husband at the hospital for the first, you know, however many hours a day and a half before I was discharged or whatever. Um, And that, you know, I just I wish I would have done this with my others. Mm. And now, you know, then COVID happened, and it's like being forced onto women. And I'm like, would my have would my perspective have been different? if it was forced on me and not me choosing, okay, I want to enjoy this one-on-one time with my baby. Um, and so I just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It makes you really think um, and really like empathize with people, I think. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that's kind of what this time is doing for all of us is mm-hmm. we're all getting a stronger level of like compassion for others. Right. Um, so, Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And I mean, there's no kind of easy way through this as well, you know, from kind of a mental health standpoint, I, um, I have a guide that I made for mental health in pregnancy and postpartum during COVID. So we can link that, um, in the show notes. But one of the pieces that I talk about in there is that it's so important to have space for reflection and to have community right now to just be around other women who are going through similar things. And, and, and it's online. And I think online is just as powerful as social
0: media. I do too. Um,
1: just to be able to share some of these raw feelings that you have and have other women be able to validate them.
0: Um, is there any, um, I guess like advice that you're giving to these women that are delivering during COVID or postpartuming during COVID?
1: Yeah. So I'm definitely encouraging them to, to, you know, honor their grief and feel their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a therapist, helping to provide space for that, but also then yep. having them focus on places where they do have control. Um, right. Like, because even though there's so much right now that is outside of our con- control, we do still have some. You know, even if it's small areas where you can make decisions. So little thing, even little things like saying, you know, I'm going to pick out this recipe and make it for dinner. I'm going to clean up, you know, this room in my house that I've been avoiding right. and, and doing that task from start to finish. Because the thing with uncertainty is it makes us feel incompetent and we don't like to feel incompetent. So anything that you can do that gives yourself a feeling of mastery and, and then those little things, make you feel a little bit more grounded. So then you can take on some of these other bigger decisions that, that are more difficult to make. Yeah. Um, That's one thing. And then another uh, tip I've been sharing is around if you're pregnant uh, and you're kind of constantly ruminating about like, what is delivery going to be like, you know, all of these things that are outside of your control, that type of anxiety, what I do, what I've been doing and at other times in my life when I've, had kind of anxieties like that I set aside 20 or 30 minutes every day where I'm allowed to worry about whatever I want and I don't judge myself and it's the same time every day um you know I let myself go wild during that time but then if any (laughs) any anxiety comes up (laughs) outside that I'm not allowed to think about it I just have to write it down um, in a journal or like on my notes app on my phone and then I save it for the next day's anxiety worry time so not during bedtime. Not during bedtime. No, <laughs> not during bedtime. Um,
0: but, I, feel like, I feel like that's like yeah. probably a common time when we're all like on our hamster wheel, right. right. worrying and it's like, turn, right. It, right. Off,
1: turn it off. It's time write it down, get it out of your yeah. brain and, and put it down somewhere and save it for later. And I like that because it's not like you're telling yourself, stop worrying. Cause of course that right. doesn't work. It's more just like, you don't have to think about this right now. And when I do that, then the next day, sometimes when I look at that list, I don't, feel as strongly about some of the things on there that I did the day before. And that reminds me, you know, that feelings don't last forever. It gives you some perspective. So, so I found that helpful um, for some of these worries that are outside of our control.
0: Yeah, no, I like that. I think that that's great. So Pooja kind of tell us um, where we can find you. I know you're on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'm on Instagram at women's mental health doc, and I share on there all about, um, evidence-based information related to mental health and pregnancy and postpartum. Your content is amazing. Thank you. Keep putting out the content
0: that you are. (laughs) Thank you.
1: And then um, I have this Facebook group with two of my colleagues. It's called COVID nineteen maternal well being. You can search it on Facebook. It's it's a um, open group. So I'll link a, that on this episode yeah, as well. that's a great yeah. source of support. We're bringing in different experts to do lives and you know answer medical questions that's and things awesome. like that. Um, yeah. And then I also just launched a um, pilot small group um, uh, pregnancy and mental health course that's going to be all about everything that you need to know to set yourself up for an emotionally healthy pregnancy so i can share the link with that too perfect Um, and we can share some of my new york times articles as well so you have lots of places
0: to find me so i hope to connect with you guys
1: at one of those places and um this was so fun thank you for having me on
0: wonderful um i I'm so thankful that you decided to come on. Um, Thank you a million times. And cheers to a healthy pregnancy and postpartum period. Yes, absolutely. Thank (laughs) you. Bye. Did you enjoy this episode? Please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. And be sure to tell your friends. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Mimosas with Moms, and you can email me at the number 2mimosamoms at gmail.com.